Welcome to the Donald's Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And I did not have to think about that because I know my own name. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes some of us have trouble with that. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard to remember our own names. It's hard for other people to remember which one of us is which, as we recently talked about with some people, I think. And it turns out it's like a thing where people don't know who we are. Well, I think on the podcast, it's hard to keep our voices separate sometimes because we kind of sync up like our levels a little bit. I don't know that we always sound alike, but I do think as we get into a rhythm of talking, we kind of find like a rhythm that is similar. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's sound related. <laughs> Not the same as syncing up our cycles. That's different. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Should we start this one over? Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. <laughs> you're Megan and I'm Deidre. You're still Deidre. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are clearly goofy because it is the middle of the week. It gets dark at like 4 p.m. now. So it basically feels like midnight and it's almost, it's that weird time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I just posted a new series on my Instagram account yesterday where I was like, there are two types of people in the world right now one type that's like I have so much to get done before Christmas and the new year and the other type that's like why bother doing anything we might as well just wait till January at this point <laughs> and I think that you describes the two of us very well <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm the former 100% oh sweet Jesus so, I'm trying to remember to breathe and to do all the things that we talk about on this podcast all the time all I the time overdrive mode lately and I am really trying to take stock and be mindful that I don't have to rush it's not so much related to Christmas although now things are starting to like come my kids are starting to give me lists and I was like I already missed the good Friday sales and the cyber Monday sales and I haven't done anything and black I Friday I don't think good Friday offers a lot of shopping sales <laughs> oh whoops my bad nope good Friday a different holiday we are in advent not lent it's fine it's so confusing. And also, like, I, I'm just of the mind where I'm like, eh, I have a trip coming up for work. And then basically, it's Christmas for the next three weeks. And then I have another trip with my family. And then it's January. So like, I am in that place where I should be pulling up my um, repress center of doing and I probably should be more productive than I'm being right now. And we literally have the exact opposite problem because I've been kicking myself like, Megan, get up, you don't have to sleep in just because you didn't take the kids to school this morning or whatever. So I definitely also need things to work on because I am in group number two. I'm like, no one is going to get anything done. It's basically December. We might as well wait till 2024. We couldn't be more different. I'm like, literally, I don't have time to get all the things done. And also I'm going to be out of town. So I want to get everything done so I can completely enjoy next week without any of the things. Can I also say though, just a little pat on my own back. I am finishing yes. a graduate degree. We yeah, you are. Five kids home for Thanksgiving. Three of them had birthdays within a week of each other and the Thanksgiving holiday was in there and I'm working a lot of hours and somehow I'm going to get this degree done. Somehow I'm going to get this final project in and these last two like God love it discussion posts. If I never have to do another online discussion post again, I it could not be until too you cool. go back for your doctorate. Some of us are not that gullible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There was like 
a total insult wrapped up in what could also be a compliment, I think. <laughs> or maybe it was just an insult. I'm not sure. Yeah, in case you don't know, Megan is going back for her PhD. Well, EDD. No. Right? Megan is on the fence as of right now about whether or not I have about six weeks to decide if that's really what I'm going to do. But yes, I've I've committed to doing it. I just, it hasn't started yet. Here's my advice for you. While you are smart enough to do it, and I see the benefits <laughs> of it, run away from it. Don't do it. It's terrible. Having homework when your kids are doing homework and when you work, it's just, uh, it's just a whole other thing. I, mean, uh, I know I did a, I did a master's degree when I had a I newborn know. at home. I know. And you're just about to up the ante here. Why would you do that to yourself? You can finally relax. You can yeah. and enjoy the year off with me because next year is my year to celebrate that I'm not driving kids anywhere anymore and that I am not going to be working as many jobs as I was in the past. Because last year I was working two jobs for most of the year, a good, well, yeah. two months of it, and still do this and our retreats and still have another part-time job, but it's fine. Um, so I'm going to be celebrating some of those things coming to an end. And But we just talked about how I need to be more productive, right? So maybe having things with deadlines is a good routine maker for me okay all right I'll give you that Go we'll it. talk more about this later we don't need to do that now this isn't what this is about actually not the is, topic of our podcast today but it is a decent segue because in the midst of this season where some of us are burrowing until January and some of us are racing to get everything done before January are we still making space in both of those ways to have Jesus meet us in wherever we are And so that's kind of what we just wanted to talk about today. Um, You know, I was having a conversation with my daughter, Dory, today about Jesus because some of the stuff that she's picking up from society is a Jesus that I'm not a real big fan of. You know, it's like a Jesus who's like, here are the rights, here are the wrongs, here are the rules, here's the yeses and nos. And I'm like, but Jesus was so much different than that. Mm -hmm. He actually came to say, hey, I'm going to break all the rules in a way that harms people but in a way that uplifts people it was always to benefit people it was always to benefit the marginalized it was always to uplift the oppressed it was always to draw near with compassion and tenderness so I don't think he's standing at you going Deidre don't you remember that you have to breathe during the season don't start piling stuff back on and he's not yelling at me to like wake up he's like hey guys can I walk with you through this month where it's kind of crazy can I be there with you yeah no, you're so right. Because when I make space for him, he does not come in with the voice of condemnation that my own internal voice does. Uh, like we've done internal family systems conversations on here where there's a part of me that wants to rest. There's a lot of managers in there that are like, don't ever stop. Right. And then there's a the part that beats me up for not stopping because I should know better. And right. There's, there's all these critics in us and, um, I know the voice of my savior when he just makes space and I'm going to cry right now, but it's like, he just holds me. He doesn't even require that I give him the right answer. Like I know that I know I need to rest, but me striving to rest doesn't do the thing that really works when I invite him in and he brings me rest. It's just, it's different. And it's, yeah. It is, it is refreshing. It's different. It's not condemnation. It's not beating yourself up. It's not like you should know better by now and you should get this together by now. He just enters my world and he holds me and he makes space for me to breathe where I can't catch my breath. 
sometimes, you know? And to be clear, burrowing, like the other half of us do, where we need to find a way to actually step up to the end of the year with all of everything that's in us, it's not actually restful to burrow. I don't feel find my heart at a place of rest when I get into that mode. It's, it's, um, oh, I'm not going to pronounce it right. <laughs> What's the noun form of lethargic? Is it lethargy? Lethargy. I think so. Yeah. Lethargy is not rest. Mm-hmm. You know, hiding is not peace. None of that is actually rest. So I might not have as many things on my plate right now, but it's not restful. It's well, if we're talking about like polyvagal theory or the parasympathetic and, and those things, you tend to hang out in the dorsal space, which is that <laughs> more, you know, hypo arousal, which is the burrowing, the isolating, the numbing, those things. And mm-hmm. I tend to hang out in the more tend to tend to. I mean, sometimes I have to isolate, but I tend to hang out in the more like activated hyper arousal space. And um, both of us, we need both of those spaces, but we can't just hang out in those spaces it should be more of a flow actually if you really want to hear a really great conversation about this the episode with Tracy Bussi was so good and she talks about I probably pronounced her last name wrong I'm sorry um, but she talks about the um, the flow of that energy should be we shouldn't get in one space and kind of get stuck there because that be, it becomes problematic yeah I feel like December and probably May to some extent those two months tend to do that to us like we tend to get into one of those mechanisms and maybe more people go into hyper and I'm just one of the weird few that goes into hypo, but I would venture that there are people like me who just kind of start to shut down when things get a little bit overwhelming. So I think everyone in the withdrawing stance goes into hypo first for the most part. There are fewer fours than any other number. So, okay, well, there's a lot of nines and fives too. You're not the only number in the withdrawing stance. No, I think that that's for sure something that people struggle with and, the aggressive stance is probably going to be in the hyper and then somewhere in this dependent stance, we kind of split the middle depending on who we're trying to please and what's happening and if we can do it or not. Yeah. We probably straddle one side or the other more. I don't know, but I don't know if there's direct correlation with your Enneagram stance and whether you go into hyper or hypo first, but we I all have it's... all of them. We all have all but of I them. But I bet it's attached to relational energy. Don't you think? Like if our stance is like, if, if we're going to talk about stance work and we know that relational energy is that fours, fives, and nines withdraw, then maybe hypo is our first move. It's like our first inclination. Cause if we're going to withdraw, that makes sense. Whereas the three, sevens and eights and the aggressive stance, if their inclination is to move at or against, it makes sense that they're going to go into that hyper state. And then I think you're right about the dependent stance that moving toward really is, it's like, like in the fight flight freeze you guys are the fawners like I need to look at someone else to get my cue to yeah. see where do I go in this moment well that's that it's all connected I think I 100% I think the withdrawing stance would first default would be hypo the aggressive stance first default would be hyper but then those of us in the dependent kind of straddle that depending on mm-hmm. like you said the fawn like what is that what are, are others being activated oh maybe I should be active or others like withdraw maybe I should do that you know and so we're dependent more on who we're around and what's happening um yeah I think that's fascinating it is fascinating we weren't even going to talk about that but look what we just uncover in our conversation <laughs> we're so smart <laughs> <laughs> running on fumes over here people <laughs> I actually was trying to say earlier when I'm running on fumes I think I get a little high from it kind of like 
you know, the fumes in the car. Like I need, somebody needs to open the garage door around me. It's getting a little stuffy in here is what I'm saying. Yikes. Okay. Earlier though, on the phone, dear listeners, she said that she was running around like a banshee with its head cut off. And I would just like to point out that Deidre is so smart and can never remember cliches or colloquialisms for like the light. Like if you paid her money, she would not be able to remember how like sayings go. So I, I had think to we decided that I have the affliction of being of perpetually having malaphors, like a yes. metaphor that gets messed up. Yes. That is my affliction in life. And so you know what? She's scream. We, we realize this now and chickens run around with their heads. Cut off. We can't all be good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be productive and good at metaphors. <laughs> Some of us are malaphors just waiting to happen. <laughs> think that's the title of the episode <laughs> I'm so tired I laughed way too hard at that <laughs> oh my gosh and the weird anyway. thing this episode was supposed to be more serious like we were going to share these Jesus encounters we've had recently which you know what Jesus laughs with us it's fine it's totally fine I think Jesus laughs at us a lot I think he does I think he's amused by us and then he just comes along like oh oh and honey, he boops our here. noses no he doesn't boop my <laughs> nose nope I think you oh. booped your snoot. I think he does. He just called my nose a snoot. And I have to say, that's a little triggering for me. You've seen my six or my three month baby picture, right? Oh, that is tragic. Maybe that, and I, maybe that needs I to go. Now we have to show it on the show notes. If you are still listening to us right now, you will not regret going to dauntlessgrace.org and looking at this baby picture of her. And I apologize for using the word snoot. It is the phrase to boop your snoot, but you're right. I should never have said that. When I say that I have issues with my looks, it literally stems from my childhood, like my infancy. I look like I laid, here's the joke in my family. It looks like I laid on my face in utero, like on my nose the whole nine months. And I came out with all of it pointing up and it took a couple months for it to all kind of get to a more normal, like perspective. I don't think that's the right word, but. Well, you're beautiful now. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was sincere. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm going to share how Jesus sees me right now and how beautiful he thinks I am. And I just, okay, oh, I'm not there yet. That. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, let's, that's a good segue in. <sighs> Tell me about this. So Jesus encountered you in a way that not only gave you some rest and perspective in the middle of a busyness season, but also showed you a new way of looking at yourself. Share that. Yeah. And I'm, I am working on that. Obviously I'm not there yet. Uh, some of the other parts of me uh, speak really loudly sometimes, but that's okay. There, there's room for them at the table too. Um, okay. So I've probably talked on here before, but I don't know if I've ever given her a proper shout out, but I do spiritual direction with um, Wendy Shuffett um, every couple of weeks. She has just blessed me in that. She's uh, getting her certificate to practice that. So we're just kind of working through it together. And I, she just creates these spaces that make me literally sob uh like I'm a hot mess within five minutes of talking to her every time and it's on zoom it's not even in person it's crazy but um at at the end of September she did a spiritual exercise with me called the Visio Divina which I've heard of before I've never really worked with it though or done it and so uh Visio obviously visual Divina meaning God so kind of like encountering God through something visual. And usually it's like art that you start with. Um, so she showed me some photos. She showed me six different pictures and they were, um, different types of 
hands and clay and pottery imagery. And I actually thought, I don't think I told her this to begin with. Hopefully she's not listening to this, but I thought I've like literally preached on like the potter's hands. I mean, the first series I did as a youth leader when I was 21 or whatever, 22, I think, um, I spent like nine months in second Corinthians four, seven through 11 or whatever it is about, like, we're hard pressed on every side, you know, and, and just spent a lot of time talking about through those seasons, like when we're young, we're kind of being imprinted, but as teenagers, we're being molded and we're being shaped and, and what it looks like to cooperate with being in that relationship with God. And I just thought I've heard so that later he doesn't have to chisel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm like, God's not going to say anything to me in this. It's my pride. Right. Uh, I like, I was a little disappointed only in the sense that not that there's not a lot of meat there, but like, I'm going to have preconceived ideas about this is how I felt. Again, not saying it's bad. I think this pottery image is so um, valuable, but my initial thought was like, I have too many like sermons in my head about this. How will I bypass like my head to get to where he's really encountering me Mm -hmm. with his presence? Well, spoiler alert, like he totally did. He always does. (laughs) And she just masterfully like took me through this. But the funny thing is of these six images, there is like the uh, Japanese art form Kintsugari. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but where they broken pottery. Yes, Kintsugi, where it's broken pottery is put back together with gold. I preached a sermon on that. I've seen that lived out in other areas of my life. I've heard sermons like Ted Lasso. Yes. I'm like, that is the image I'm drawn to. That's beautiful. That's what he's doing in my life. You know, but then I, but my very first, the very first image I saw was just this like wet mud that had been pulled up in someone's hands. And immediately it was like, you know, like gross, that's muddy. I don't like dirty, messy stuff. Passed by that, ooh, the gold and the cracks and how he's redeeming. That's what I want to talk about. I have a whole sermon about that. That's beautiful. And then there were some other images. I'll ace this lesson. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Like when he's going to be impressed with me, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do this. Vizio de Vida. <laughs> I don't know no what one's gonna do it better. <laughs> do this all day. <laughs> like why? So then she she kind of asked some questions, like as she does very beautifully. You know, are you noticing anything that's drawing your attention? Or is there any resistance? And I thought, dang it, the resistance is the messy one. Like the very first one, I just I disregarded. I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. You know. So then she's like, okay, once you pick the photo, I'm like, fine, I'm going to do that one. <laughs> you know, um, she started asking some questions. So with the Visio Divina, there's usually like, as you look at it, uh, the image, you are asking some self-awareness questions that should kind of guide you through. And then you ask some God awareness questions. She guided me through. And then at the end, there's like our response to what the Lord has shown us. So in the first part, I was like, yeah, like, how do I feel about this? It feels messy. It feels unformed. But there was this little part of me that was like, it also feels just kind of like held and warm. And then I was like, no, (laughs) it's just messy. That's gross, you know? (laughs) But maybe, maybe just a little part of me was intrigued by the idea that just this glop of mud was just held. (sighs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm like, oh, that sounds so, I, I would be drawn to that because I'd be like, there's so much potential. Like it can literally become anything. You can be. It hasn't been decided yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I don't want that to be seen. So anyway, I I acknowledge like I have some initial disgust at what a gross mess it must be for these hands to be holding like that wet, unformed clay and just wonder 
like my thoughts about it is why would the artist even want to? Why would the artist even be drawn to that? How does it see potential in that? Like to me, we've already made this very clear on this podcast. I don't craft because I don't like messes and I don't do art because I don't like process. I do things that have a finished product. That's how I work. <laughs> and so my thought is why, what is in the artist's mind that he sees value in getting so covered with this mess? That just, that doesn't feel like something I would enjoy, you know? And I think I kind of was feeling like, also drawn to that though because maybe in the thing that most disgusts me there's a seed of desire which we've talked about before um and maybe that desire is what would it be like to not have to be all together and be the finished product and to just be held and it to be okay that like I'm just showing up in his hands I'm gonna totally cry every time you've told this story so far we're three for three at least Oh, I've told it more than that, but so many times you've seen me cry over it. Okay, so she gets, so this is self-awareness, like, oh, I'm disgusted, but also maybe there's a seed of desire there. Then the God awareness questions was just some, I don't remember exactly what the questions were she asked me, but my reflection was God saying to me, it's not muddy, it's not messy, it's just the artistic process. Like, process art that I'm is what God was saying to me. Process art is what I'm interested in. He's like, I'm not making you into a thing or a beauty. The matter of the clay, the matter of it that I'm holding is the life, is the heartbeat, is the essence of you. And that's already priceless. Just me being matter that has his breath in it is priceless. And he was just saying like, I just delight in co-creating beauty through you. Like, I just want to be, I want my hands to be like, molding you not because I want to get finished so someone can use you he's he's not a user God's not a user he wants a relationship with me and so I got to this point where I my response was just like Lord I feel your invitation to be held and to be warm and to be comfortable in just the state of being but I also recognize that I need um I need grace here because while I trust you, like with this state of being undone and unpresentable, and I also know that I need grace, like to lean into the weight of your hands to help. How can I say this? Like to help my unease at being disgusted by my formlessness. I need his grace to see me the way I see myself. And to also recognize that while I don't want to be on display for people to see, because if that was the case, they would be judging the imperfections. Would I be okay being unseen? Is there enough value in just being held by him and being unseen by others? And there is a tension. Like I'm terrified of the idea of being seen and judged as imperfect and being, or being seen in the midst of the process and being disgusting to someone because it just looks muddy and messy or whatever. But also maybe there's this equally like desire in me to be like, but also am I afraid of not ever being seen by others? Like, is that where my value has been for so, so much of my life being like polishing up the outside to kind of present it for people. And so I was sharing some of this with Wendy and the, the really cool thing was she, she just was like, wow. And she's like, let me just pray for you. And she's like, father, would you just, Lord, would you just show Deidre how you see her? Okay. And so I'm going to, I'm going to bring this home. I promise I'm going to land this soon, but 
I, I literally could just feel that sense of being held by him. And I looked at him and I could see his face just like, like a Jesus picture where he just throws his head back laughing, you know, like just delighted, surprised by the delight of seeing me. And I, and I really was like curious, why, why, what is it that is, that delights you? Because when I look at what you're seeing, I just see a mess and I just see unformed and I just see a lump of clay. What is it that you're seeing that really makes you throw your head back in desire, like laughter and delight? I just saw, it felt like delight. And I literally- You are a delightful. We are a delightful. But I literally had this moment where I saw just like in his eye, what he was seeing in me. And it was this whole galaxy. And it's so weird to say this because I'm not this person. But when you think about like, just when when he said to me, the matter of who you are, matters because in our matter like think about just what an atom has it has like a tiny little galaxy all going on in there and it's like in his eyes I could see the molecules of what just made up my DNA and my essence like magnified like I was looking through a microscope except that the view I was seeing was more of what I would see through a telescope looking at galaxies and it was flashes of light and color and stars being born and stars flashing through and the purple and the, I mean, it was beautiful. I wish I had the words to describe it because then I, I realized like what he's seeing, he's not seeing me in this three-dimensional way. I see me. He sees in all these dimensions that I don't have eyes to see. And he sees how delighted he is that he has literally galaxies like exploding out of me and it just it's musical to him and it's choreographed to him it has movement it's expansive when I feel like life is restricting when I feel like my body restricts me he's like but you're expansive and you have space and actually we found out from I don't remember who we were listening to recently that where there's more space in the matter of who we are than there is matter like so much of us is just like a certain percentage is water. There's a lot of space in, in how we're designed. And he's like, that space is expansive and it's a room for growth and explosion and creativity and light and color and all this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what you see when you look at me. And it, it just broke me. It changed, it changed something. It was beautiful. I don't have any more words about it. I don't have any words to follow that up. Like, I love that. And I feel like there's a key in there for your 2024 word of the year to start thinking from that, if there's a word in there that you need to start using as your focal point for this coming year. But that's yeah. awesome. And I just second Wendy's presence in how much space she leaves for people to encounter Jesus and having spent just a fraction of the time with her that you have. And I felt that same thing. And she is going to be at our next retreat leading a Vizio Divina if anyone's interested in um, that option that will be available. Yes. I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that I have anything like that to share. Um, the only thing I can think recently is uh, I know when we had Jenna Reimers uh, on a few months ago, I think I had her telling us, or maybe she, this was after we stopped recording, I'm not sure, but she was telling us about the sea turtles and how that's just really meant a lot to her this last season. And um, It wasn't too long after that, that I was feeling kind of abandoned or forgotten in some certain areas where that part of me was just kind of flared up. And I remember 
I was, I kind of did an IFS moment with Jesus and I just asked him to kind of show me what, what that part felt. And it looked almost like a, like a tomb. Like I had a protector part of me that kept rolling a, a stone in front of a tomb that was like keeping me numbed, keeping me paralyzed because it was, I, I was, I was forgotten. No one was going to come get me. So just, I need to hide back here. Um, and I, Jesus just kind of showed up and, um, see if I have the right words, but, um, so this is so weird, but I feel like all of my IFS moments relate back to things that I watch on TV. Um, but my youngest daughter watches or used to watch Miraculous Ladybug, um, like pretty religiously. And they have these things called Kwamis and these Kwamis are these like mythical little creatures that are like a finger size that basically are their guides and supports. And when I told Jesus that I felt abandoned, I felt him like shrink down and become like a Kwame for me. Mm-hmm. He was like, but I'm always with you. Even when you can't see me, like I'm right here, I'm this guide. And the stone in front of the tomb, like had everything in it that I needed. And it became um, like something that I could pick up and put on more like a turtle shell. And I was thinking of those sea turtles that Jenna was telling us about and how Jesus was like, okay, you've got me and you have everything you need here. And now the stone that you were trying to hide behind has that now it's your home because it's carrying everything that you need and you always have your home with you. So you can't ever be abandoned because you have you all the time and you've got me all the time. And it was just these two like really vivid, weird images together, the sea turtle shell and the Kwame. But um I don't know, it was it was really kind of neat and it makes me want to get um, a sea turtle tattoo to go along with my dolphin and my feather and my anchor on my arm so that mm-hmm. might be my next tattoo <laughs> I love that Jesus was a little Kwame <laughs> so <sweet. laughs> but also there is something about um we're always in search of what feels like home and I think maybe the heart triad most of all in some ways yeah. but, um it seems to be a theme and what does it feel like to just be at home with wherever you are with yourself yeah, I mean, that's something I'm definitely still trying to figure out too, because what what is that? Like, am I settled enough in who I am to be okay with being alone? And, you know, over this last year, I've had a lot more opportunities to live that out, like in reality, Yeah, traveling alone, sleeping in hotel rooms alone, you know, things that I, until I was 40, had never really experienced. Yeah. Um, and so that has been kind of eye-opening to go, I'm okay alone. I'm good walking through airports alone. I can, I'm, I'm good three nights in a hotel alone. Yeah. And that has been really cool to know that about myself. Um, and I know that's because of some of this healing that Jesus has just so graciously brought to me. But I think there's still more there of, okay, not just like when you're physically alone, but what if you feel alone in the yeah. middle of your circumstances? What if it's more of an emotional aloneness than a physical aloneness? Would you be okay there too? Yeah. So that's the one I think I'm still working on. It's um, interesting what we both just did, like as someone in the body and gut triad, I have to figure out how to be comfortable in my skin. And I think, I wonder if eights and nines would have the similar kind of struggle, but for different reasons, whereas twos, threes, and fours may have trouble feeling because of that abandonment component, you know, feeling at home, even alone at home, even lonely at home, even, um, not knowing who it's about the emotional aloneness. Yeah. So I wonder what that looks like for the fear and head triad. Um, it has to be something about being rest, rested, not anxious, at mm-hmm. peace, something like that. I would Even in the midst of lack or turmoil or anxiety, can I still feel secure and safe? Or 
or the fear of the it's too quiet what's the next unknown mm-hmm. so it might there might still be an alone component there um yeah. you know there might be an alone component with all of us because we are all wired for connection mm-hmm. but it's that alone component is manifested differently in so many different ways you're like what if i'm alone and not seen yeah you know yeah we have a lot of work to do on the side of heaven don't we but I tell you what, when Jesus leads it, it's so much more just easier. It's grace filled. It's tender. It's secure. He is never ever harsh with us. Mm-hmm. He just isn't. And I I think too often the world wants to believe or portray him as so much more harsh, but he's just not. Well, I think this is a beautiful, uh, like Advent series in a way, because it all, all of the anticipation leading up to Christmas is the waiting for, for him and the celebration in our hearts that he has come and he is coming and he will come again and again. And it's so beautiful because we, we hope this first week of Advent is about hope. We have hope that when he arrives, he's the answer. And I mean, he, he just is every time he shows up, he is it. He's what we need. Uh, so we didn't mean this to be a holiday thing, but I'm, I'm drawing the seg I'm segueing into this Advent idea because I think that in my life, when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling unseen, when I'm feeling the fear of being seen and not being ready, all of those things, when I'm feeling the scarcity of time, when I, when I anticipate how he will encounter me, and when he does, it's just, it changes everything. So I hope that this is an encouragement to you in this week of Advent one, week one, where our focus is on hope that Jesus is our hope and he will change everything. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so other people can find us. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me at Enneagram Megan on Instagram. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast. Plus, you can click the resources tab to find books by all the authors we've spoken to or about. And you can find it at dauntlessgrace.org.